accidental anal. Bird. You know what accidental anal was? Oh, I do. You were there. I was there. <laughs> I was there for it, you know? I mean, you were kind of there. You didn't know you were there. It seemed like you were really disappointed, like, that you missed out on, yeah. like, your first anal. Right. <laughs> but Damn. you know what, though? Yeah. I experienced it enough for both of us. I, I don't know what that means. No. no. So, yeah. you... You were disappointed because you realized that when that had happened, you hadn't even been able to like know that you were experiencing it and thus appreciate it or right. notice that it yeah, was yeah. different or all of that, it's, right? Get some benefit. Yeah, you didn't even know it happened, yeah. but I'm just saying I like double knew that it was happening. <laughs> when it was happening, I like really, really knew that it was happening. Got it. <laughs> this is Kink Quest. Leveling up our kink achievements one dungeon at a time. We're your adventuring companions through the world of kink, Anna and Soren Sterling. Thanks for having me. Doesn't work that way. You're a host too. We don't have any guests yet. Your name is spelled wrong in our intro. Well, you wonder why I'm confused. I know, right? You wonder why I have uh, identity issues. <laughs> you can't mess around with you and spelling. <laughs> and apostrophes. Right. Really don't want to do that. So in this episode, we wanted to talk a little about how we came to our kind of specific brand of BDSM. Mm -hmm. And in some housekeeping, we were recently able to do a guest spot on another podcast on Kinky Cocktail Hour with Saffron Master and Lady Petra, who were fantastic hosts and were really kind to let us get on their podcast and kind of talk about King Quest, talk about our dream. And one of the first things that they asked us was, how did you get introduced to kink? Well, and it's funny because a lot of the times you don't really think about how you got to it. Mm -hmm. It just kind of always was. And when you start pulling the threads apart and, and understanding where it came from, I think that you, you get a better understanding of why you are the person that you are the closer mm -hmm. you kind of analyze all of those bits and pieces. Well, and that's what I realized is when they started asking questions, kind of probing into our introduction to kink, there wasn't this lightning bolt that came out of the sky and this moment that that we, you know, there wasn't a radioactive <laughs> spider bite like they talk about on uh, Off the Cups. We didn't have a birthday. Right. <laughs> we're like, you're kinky now. You're kinky now. Congratulations. Right. Oh, wouldn't that be great if like the little like angel came down and like just like tapped you on the head with the wand? Like you're kinky it's now. It's like a coming out party. <laughs> like, gee, thanks. Yeah. But I, I think like, you know, even if, if you think about like coming out parties, you kind of come out to yourself long before you come out to your community or family. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, so much of the time that we've spent together is just trying to figure out what everything is. And, and the comparison that I gave in the, in the interview today was that for much of our, our kink experience, we were like two little kids under the blankets kind of messing around <laughs> and we don't really know what it is that we're doing and we know that we'd like it and sometimes we do stuff that we don't like. Mm -hmm. And but, we know we don't like it. And, and we, but there's not really a whole lot of front of brain happening there because so much of it is just experiential. Well, and I think that it's interesting, too, because I think there is some kind of weird generational stuff here. Because I think now, today, uh, developing interest in kink, there are so many resources available. There's the whole internet available mm -hmm. for you to educate yourself and podcasts and all of this stuff. But back then, 
there wasn't really anything. Mm-hmm. It was just you kind of figured it out. It was in the deep dark fringe, right? Yeah. And and many times you felt so afraid to even tread into that water because only dark things lie there. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a big part of of the spirit behind Kink Quest and and Kinktasia is the idea that it doesn't have to be a, a scary dark place. Yeah. It, it can, can be, be scary and dark if oh, that's what you love. Sure. But there's lots of room for lots of different experiences, mm-hmm. and if scary and dark is too much for you at the first, at the first blush, then yeah. that's okay. Yeah, and and I use the example of if you go from zero to hard spanking, mm-hmm. like out of nothing, out of nowhere, and you're just spanking that ass as hard as you can, <laughs> uh, with with no preparation. I mean, it's a thing, but mm-hmm. if this is your first time mm-hmm. experiencing it, it's not necessarily the the cleanest, easiest way to get there. Yep. Right, so uh, when we're, we're thinking about how we got to where we are, we didn't have tons of resources okay. to gradually explore our way into it. So you know what it's kind of like? Hmm. Uh, that I played with a cattle prod before I played with a neon wand. You did. I did. Yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> kind of that's actually, kind of your brand. Though. Yeah, it was different. I liked it, but yeah. Well, but and, I might have not. I oh, could have easily. Sure, not. but it's very much part of your personality that like you're going to jump into the deep end. <laughs> And then you're like, oh, okay, let's back up and start from cool. zero. So now. I jump into the deep end, and then either I'm like, look, I could swim all along, or else I'm like, daddy, daddy, help! <laughs> so in in the early days, so I I put together a list of kind of a lot of the different experiences that seemed to me to be uh, kind of formative kink moments for us. So are these are these like the points in time that? Doctor Who can't alter. They are. They are. They're like the unalterable points in time that that. Well, and I think it's interesting because some of them are points when we started to realize that we were kinky, mm-hmm. and some of them are things that I didn't realize they were kinky things mm-hmm. at the time. But later, I look back and I'm like, oh, oh, I guess we were a sob and a dom back then. Yeah. Well, and if you kind of look back at yourself and your own experience, and you could give yourself advice, you'd be like, oh no, this is exactly what's going on, and mm-hmm. and you feel this way because of this, mm-hmm. uh, and you should think about this. And I mean, when we first met, to start with that, um, there were a very specific- 25 years ago. 25 years ago. There were very specific kind of sparks that Mm -hmm. flew. And I feel like, you know, something that you told me, you were very open and very honest, and you told me that two weeks was about how long you dated anybody. Mm -hmm. And then you lost interest, and it was like there was just something that you were looking for, and it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And you told me that, you know, we can we can have a lot of fun and I will treat you well and but when that spark goes then it's time for us to both move on mm-hmm. and I had just come out of a big messy nasty relationship and I said that actually sounds like fun to me like no strings <laughs> we'll we'll go Let's out have a fun time we'll have a nice time yeah. uh, we're attracted to each other and then it was like a click it was mm-hmm. a magnetic thing that happened between us and uh, I have spent a lot of time thinking about you know early on I was like it's that we fell in love it was love and and that's nice and we are mm-hmm. in love and we were in love but I really think in some ways that there was a submissive part of me and a dominant part of you mm-hmm. that fit together mm-hmm. and we recognized it even though we didn't know what it was mm-hmm. it, there was a lot of back of brain stuff happening for many years mm-hmm. in in the introductory decade of, of our relationship mm-hmm. So one of the first places that that we kind of stumbled into kink is uh, Anna came to me and said, "I want you to dominate me." <laughs> and then, and uh, this is at like age nineteen. 
Uh, I, I, believe, I was. I believe you were 18. Okay. And I was 16. Yeah. So we were <laughs> we were pups. We were babies. And she came to me and said that. And I like I like sex and I like you know things that feel good. But I'm totally out of my depth in terms of. <laughs> What in the heck am I supposed to do? What does that even mean? Yeah. And you asked me, you said, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? And I said, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And so you went to the ever helpful, uh, troubled friend that you had who you said, well, he does all the bad things. He obviously knows. Yeah. Well, and him and his girlfriend were pretty serious mm-hmm. and had been together for a long time. And I think she liked to wear leather or something. She was a little <laughs> bit older. <laughs> And uh, and I, I trusted him. I didn't necessarily have faith in his uh, uh, wisdom, but he was a person. He was the only resource you had. Yeah. And so we didn't have the internet for those types of things. <laughs> and I went and I said, okay, what, how, this is what Anna's asked me to do. What do I do? What, <laughs> she doesn't, she can't tell me what she means by it. And Keeping in mind that this was the guy who drove me out of the D&D game because mm-hmm. he didn't like you having a girlfriend in the D&D game. It's true. So, so I feel like some of his advice to you may have been a little directed. <laughs> no, I think this was like honest. I think they were like honestly this trying to help. And so because I think this was what their dynamic looked like. Right. And uh, the, the response was something like, well, smack her on the ass and call her bitch. He said he said smack her a lot mm-hmm. and call her a bitch a yeah, lot. <laughs> right. And and call her slut and call her dirty yeah, names. Yeah. And uh and I was like, "Okay, I I mean, it pencils, I guess it it makes sense. Let's try that." And it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I liked it very much. But but it was very much kind of a stumbling in the dark situation. Where I'm like, is this? I'm saying words and I'm doing things and I'm like trying to pay attention to what's going on. And it was by far not our best experience. Well, no, but it was, I think, it was particularly hot mm-hmm. then. And it, even though now looking at like the things that I am and the things that I like and how we are and how our dynamic is, that was really not at all our dynamic, Mm -hmm. but still it was close enough that uh, if you recall, during that experience, we actually broke a condom. Oh yeah, and that was a, it created a scare event. We had a whole scare event and I had to, yeah, take the morning after pill and stuff. So that was a whole thing. And it was- That's a whole different story. That is a different story. (laughs) But the point is that we got, we got pretty, uh, we got pretty careless. Oh yeah, (laughs) we kind of lost our uh, uh, composure mm-hmm. in in that and so yeah I guess it did work but yeah um, so another another of our very early stories uh, that I think has a really different kind of kink element to it is when uh, that same friend and his girlfriend and you and me were watching this is this is more my my kink it well it is but it's not <laughs> so the this is really the failed part of it yeah. that I'm going into. So uh, we were watching a movie, uh-huh. and then, like often happens when you're teenagers watching a movie together, uh, we kind of drifted off from paying attention to the movie and started making out. And then I felt your hand on me, and then I felt your other hand on me, and then I felt another hand on me. <laughs> and as you can probably surprise, yeah, as you can probably already tell, there are some not great feelings between me and this friend. And I was not even a little bit okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I jumped up and I said I wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and unbeknownst to Anna, uh, I had talked with my friend and his girlfriend. They had been whispering mm-hmm. all night. Mm-hmm. 
And as soon as it started to happen, I knew that that it had been kept a secret from me and mm-hmm. was embarrassed mm-hmm. and was angry. Mm-hmm. And surprised. And surprised yeah. and not okay with any of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I said I wanted to go home mm-hmm. and you took me home in silence, mm-hmm. dropped me off, and then the next day I came to school and you didn't talk to me in the morning. And all day you didn't talk to me and we got to the end of the day and I came to you and I was like, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? <laughs> like, we're just not going to talk about this and yeah. what, are we done now? Is oh, that it? This is like the the response that I'm raised with mm-hmm. to, to deal with conflict and to deal with shame, right? Because I realized that I got into that and yeah, it probably would be important and helpful <laughs> to kind of talk about that a little bit before you just kind of get jumped and uh, and then there's not really knowing how to deal with it. So uh, my my upbringing suggests that the way that you deal with it is you just don't talk about it mm-hmm. and you just kind of ignore it or, or go away from it altogether. Well, and basically the impression was that we were just done. Mm-hmm. That was just the end of it. And I, I ambushed you in the, in the commons at the school and I was like, like I said, what the actual fuck? And I was like, are, are we just, what, we're just done now? And you said, well, I kind of thought we probably were after yeah. what I did. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine why you would ever want to talk to me again. Yeah. And I was like, well, don't you think that's up to me? And you took me and we went down to the park where we used to go make out and we sat in the car and we talked about it. And basically just, I talked about how I felt and you talked about how how it had come to pass and how you had been kind of just young and dumb and careless and uh and and we really talked through it and we made it right Mm -hmm. and so that's really the part funnily enough it's not so much the the three-way part Mm -hmm. the hot it would be a four-way yeah four-way sorry not just the hot sexy four-way part or the group sex part that i thought was an early indication of kink Mm -hmm. but the fact that we we both came together, even if it was me grabbing you by the scruff a little, Very which much. is kind of how a lot of our emotional stuff went early yeah. on yeah. and later on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that we, we sat down and talked it through because I think that's really, really important in kink to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So then the final kind of young days incident uh, is the something that you just thought of and, and actually tweeted to someone mm-hmm. earlier this week, which was our experience with accidental anal. Another surprise. Sora was trouble when he was a teenager. <laughs> so uh, this was your high school graduation open house. Yeah, so it was at a campsite. We had a big camping trip with mm-hmm. family and friends and everyone. And that night I came and I crept into your tent and we had sex. And we were being very quiet. and Having some good vanilla sex vanilla in the tent. Sex. Yeah, this is, again, very early days mm-hmm. in our relationship. Like, we'd been together just a couple of months at yeah. this point. My parents were there. We weren't supposed to be in the same tent. Yep. Basically, we were trying to be quiet, and it was dark, and we were fumbling around. And next thing you know, you were fully in my ass. Yeah. Well, and, and funny, because... Uh, I, I'm just kind of nervous because I don't want to get caught and we're trying to be quiet and we're just kind of, you know, scrabbling around and on the tent floor. And and we're also really hot because we're excited about being there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember it, it seemed a little weird, <laughs> um, but didn't seem really problematic to me at all. So 
I have at this point never had anything anywhere near my ass at all. Mm -hmm. There is no lube. There is no prep. There is no warning. There is just immediately a rather large dick right (laughs) in my ass. And so the part of this, though, that that speaks of kink to me, because I feel like that, up till this point, Mm -hmm. that could have happened to anyone, any couple. However, in my mind, I was like, oh, I guess he wants to try this. (laughs) Anna doesn't say a word. Well, so after a couple of strokes, mm-hmm. I like was struggling because mm-hmm. it hurt a lot. And I was not prepared for it. And you said, I don't know how I was reacting, but you said, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you stopped. Yeah. And then you, after a minute, I was like, well, we can, we can still we can still do this. And then you started fucking me again, and then you found the right hole, and then I was fine again, and everything was good. Although, funny, because now I'm a lot more careful about cross-contamination of those things. But I guess then I didn't know anything. Yeah, the experience level is so low that... But the point, the the thing I think that is a, a kink thing to me there is that in my mind it was like I felt that you wanted to try it, I felt that, you know, this this was not the same as the way that I felt ambushed mm-hmm. by the four-way. I didn't feel like there was any reason for you to ask me or for me to consent. I was like, oh, I guess we're trying this. And I felt that you fully knew what was happening. And I feel like there was a very submissive part of me that decided to allow it. Well, and the, the punchline to this is that it was several years later and we're having a conversation, I think with friends or, or in some mixed company. And... We said, oh, well, something, something, anal. He and said, I, I want to try anal. Mm-hmm. And I said, we already did. <laughs> and I said, what? Are you kidding me? Where was I? And like, I, I told him the whole story, and he was so disappointed that yeah. he missed out. Yeah, I was like, where was I? I like, That's something that I wanted to be there for, you know? <laughs> so those those were our early days. That kind of help, helps shape our, our heads and, and our headspace about our relationship with kink. Yeah. So our, our young married days, after we got married and we're kind of together and in our kind of pre-child era, um, there wasn't as much, there, there aren't as many kind of uh, fun, sexy stories. But the truth is, during that era, that, that my friends were often uh, concerned about me in that relationship mm-hmm. for the reason that we were poor. We were very poor. Really poor. Uh, and we lived in a rough neighborhood. We had one year where we made a, a total of seven thousand dollars for the whole year between the two of us. I thought it was thirteen. Maybe it's thirteen. Yeah, I think it was Let's thirteen. Say it was between seven and thirteen thousand dollars. That sounds that sounds right. We were dirt poor, yeah. and we. So I was allowed and not allowed to spend money on things. Mm-hmm. That was always up to Daddy. It mm-hmm. was just was, and it was never a thing. I never felt uh, trapped or disempowered. I always felt like. I get permission from daddy before I spend money. That's mm-hmm. what I do. That's how it should be. There was an episode of Flight of the Concords where they're talking about this cup that got <laughs> bought, right? And and the because, because one of the bought characters like bought the cup, cup, then it creates this chain of events that, you know, you have NSF fees and you have like all these bounce <laughs> checks and it makes their world terrible because of this cup that they bought that was like $2. And that was what my head was managing the whole time through that phase of our life where I'm always thinking about 
what is the outcome going to be? And it was very important that we keep all of those things tied in. And money was very much uh, in my total control because we had to micromanage it so much. And the feeling in my heart was never, uh, you know, this isn't your money or you don't deserve to spend this. It was daddy needs to make decisions to take care of the both of us. And if I don't put those decisions in front of daddy and respect his decisions, mm-hmm. then he can't do that. And we also lived in a bad neighborhood. Um, again, very low income, rough neighborhood where mm-hmm. we came from. And uh, there were parts of town that it was not safe to go as mm-hmm. a woman in broad daylight. Uh, so there were places where, where you weren't allowed to go. And that was just kind of stated out there. You could go here. You can go here. Mm-hmm. These are the places where you can't go. And the way that those boundaries got drawn is that my car broke down and I walked to work mm-hmm. and I walked directly past 11th Street, yeah. which through, means through nothing a bad to neighborhood. You, but it's yeah. a very bad neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I said, it's fine. I'm a grown woman. I can do this. And I was fine. But when you found out that I had walked through that path, mm-hmm. when you, you said, you walked to work? And I said, yes. And you said, how did you get there? And when you found out how, uh, the look on your face and your whole carriage, you didn't know it was what you were feeling then, but that is how you look when you want to spank me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He didn't know then what that meant, I think. There were no spankings back then. And I think a lot of my my Dom personality is about managing unnecessary risk, Mm -hmm. about making sure that that we're not making stupid choices, making sure that we're, we're being safe and thoughtful, not about you know, not having good experiences or taking risks that are calculated. But there were so many times in our early life where it was critically important that we uh, manage those unnecessary risks because there were so many risks in the normal world. So many necessary risks. Right. Well, and I think that this era for me was very much just the people in my life. Again, there was all this concern that was like, you're a free woman. You can buy what you want to buy. You can go or don't let a man tell That's right. you. And I understood that and I saw in women that I knew. I, I knew women in bad relationships mm-hmm. and understood what it was they were afraid of, but could never quite find the words to communicate to them how different this was. Mm-hmm. That it was never that feeling and I never felt out of control. I felt cared for. And I think it's really different. So then there's kind of the pop culture influences. We saw the movie Secretary. And it's funny because the movie Secretary has always been my favorite movie since mm-hmm. I first saw it. And I know there are some things that are problematic in that movie. Oh, lots. But but I think for the, the period that it came out of, I mean, so iconic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so many great scenes and such great storytelling and so many scenes where they're not saying anything mm-hmm. and it says so much absolutely it, it was a really it was a movie and it really spoke to me and it's funny because when it became my favorite movie i said well i'm not into spanking and i'm not into bdsm but i still really love this movie for some reason <laughs> right and you're distancing yourself from from spanking and bdsm for yes. some reason yes and i really believed it's funny because i can remember feeling in my whole heart like i didn't want that i wasn't i wasn't into it and I think that's a big part of where King Quest comes from, is that it was scary to me. Mm-hmm. Everything I had ever seen that was, I mean, other than Secretary, mm-hmm. everything I had ever seen that was BDSM was like too much, too intense, too mm-hmm. scary, too fast. Well, and it was funny because in that movie Secretary, they're showing scenes of she, she's trying to get access to, to kink and to spanking and BDSM mm-hmm. and like throwing tomatoes at people and like <laughs> doing all these things that, that are not her cup of tea. And mm-hmm. she comes from a, a place where she's cutting and self-harming, mm-hmm. trying to, to experience. And I think that that movie and, and 
Um, I think what we're trying to do with KingQuest is is create that transitionary place where you can kind of explore those different elements of, of kink and, and these sexy things that don't necessarily go dark. Yeah. You can kind of look at it from a safe distance to figure out whether or not you mm-hmm. like it. So there's that. And then funnily enough, uh, as terrible as it is, I read Twilight. And it's funny because I didn't, I liked Twilight okay. I mean, I saw all the really problematic and terrible things in it, but also like I'm kind of a slut when it comes to reading. I will read <laughs> pretty much anything. I read a lot and I read I read a lot of bad stuff because. That's what's out there. You get it. Well, you get a lot out of, you get stuff out of reading the bad stuff, yeah. just like the good stuff. And that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, when I read Twilight, the thing that oh, I couldn't stop thinking as I read that whole book is, what is it about Twilight? Why? Because the writing isn't great. The characters aren't great. The and plot's a, not great. As a writer, it really fascinated me that this book had just taken the world by the throat mm-hmm. the way that like it had. Like Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, and Fifty Shades of Grey was a Twilight fanfic. Sure. So that, was, but, that was later. But even worse. But when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, everybody kind of understood by then why. Mm-hmm. And when I, with Twilight, it was less, it was more veiled, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it was a vampire story. Mm-hmm. And it was a young adult vampire story. And all of these grown-ass women were just losing their minds. Yeah. And I was like, Why? Why is this happening? And that's kind of what I realized, is that there is a DS element in Twilight. And I really feel like that is what lit the world on fire. But nobody talked about it, let's say, right when it came out. No. And then Fifty Shades of Grey came out, and Mm -hmm. that was kind of the moment where we all came to grips with it. Yeah. But it was well before that. It was when I read Twilight and when I was just... It was like there was this like two-week period of my life after I finished Twilight where I was just gripped with this like this obsession to understand why. Mm -hmm. And when I did, it was like a light went off in my head where I was like, it's not just me. I'm not just this one weird like freak back in the closet who's into this stuff. Actually, like a lot of people are, but don't have the words or can't, can't address it. And maybe they need a young adult book about a a bunch of teenage vampires in order to be able to face it. They need a safe place. Yes. And if you look at, you know, how how Twilight set the world on fire and how Fifty Shades of Grey set the world on fire, mm-hmm. um, how pop culture is changing to make space for those types of experiences. And particularly women, because women are, are the biggest readers of mm-hmm. erotica. Uh, they go crazy for a lot of this stuff that, that is not called BDSM. Mm-hmm. But but has some veiled reference to it yeah. and and they can kind of do it in secret and you know even more so now with uh, uh ebooks because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody knows, knows what, you're, what reading, you're reading right well and i feel like going through the world more and more i believe more and more certainly as time goes by that we're actually all kinky mm-hmm. it's just that a lot of people haven't yet found or embraced or come to terms with what their kinks are right but regardless of that so then moving on into the point when, you know, because that, that, that twilight moment was when I really started to accept for myself that the dominance and submission was something I was actually really quite into. And you've always been the consummate researcher, uh, always trying to figure out what's going on in the world and mm-hmm. uh, whether we're talking about pop culture or society. We've yeah. talked about how that's kind of almost a form of service mm-hmm. between us where I go and I gather 
and then I bring it back mm-hmm. and, and offer it to you in, in digestible format. And in this phase of our life, then, then we're learning more about swing clubs and we're learning more about the different types of experiences that are out there. Mm-hmm. And so where we came from, uh, Chicago area, there were actually quite a few, like a handful of, of places where you could go mm-hmm. to have different experiences. And so I'm not going to go too deeply into our whole kind of swinging career mm-hmm. because that... Uh, we talked about a bit in the previous episode, in episode two, uh, but we did. We kind of had a whole flurry of swinging events and, and doing the swinger thing, and then uh, yeah, basically we we moved where we didn't have childcare anymore, mm-hmm. and that was the end of the swinger stuff for a yeah. while. No babysitter for years. Yeah, and so there was, there yeah, there was, it is no more. Mm-hmm. There was a really uh, kind of, they called it the Disneyland of swing clubs that was in Seattle in mm-hmm. a new area where we moved in. It was a club called New Horizons. And it was super cool. It was a very cool club. And I had seen pictures of it online. I had looked at it the whole time we had lived here. For years mm-hmm. we had lived here by now. Uh, when I ended up with a close enough friend who could watch the kids. And I still had a lot of reticence about going and doing sex things while my kids were not with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it just felt like if something went wrong and they needed me, then like there was a lot of moms. This is like my parachuting thing, right? Like if I would love to go parachuting, but when you have mouths that you're actively responsible for feeding, Mm -hmm. that is the dumbest thing you could do, (laughs) right? The most irresponsible, unnecessary risk you could take, (laughs) right? And, And I think there was some of that there for you too, where you're taking unnecessary risk and if something bad happens because you bought that two dollar cup right and left the kids at home right then you know of course it was all because it's like if i'm at the doctor's office if i'm at the doctor's office and Mm -hmm. something bad happens to my kids while i'm gone then like what was i going to do i had to go to the doctor's office if i'm at a sex party i'm going to feel a thing Mm -hmm. and again that was all my baggage it was mom mom baggage and kink baggage can be really messy together i'm sure we'll have some episodes about that too Mm -hmm. um but ultimately we, it was my birthday, and all I wanted was to go to New Horizons. And I'm really glad we did because it ended up closing before we really got back into any kind yeah. of social lifestyle. But we went, and actually things that uh, the younger of my children did get terribly sick while we were gone <laughs> because I knew that that would happen. Something would happen. But I didn't find out about it until we got home, so yeah. it was all good. Um, but we went. And so, but because of the way that this all got set up, I picked the weekend closest to my birthday, and we went to whatever it was that they had. And it so happened that it was leather night. And it, you know, it was kind of neither here nor there to us. We didn't really care if we mm-hmm. went on leather night or could 70s be, night or could prom be any night. night. Any yeah. night. It didn't, didn't matter. Care. Um, but we found at leather night, I think, that, and it could be too that it was a Seattle swing club. Mm-hmm. I don't know because it was the only time we ever went to a Seattle swing club. But we found ourselves so much more at home there mm-hmm. and uh, just hanging out with and talking to the leather crowd, which happened to be very BDSM heavy. It was mm-hmm. a BDSM night. There yep. was a lot of spanking and a lot of, uh, there was- St. Andrew's Cross. Yeah, and I mean, there was, was like whole... some play piercing stuff going on outside. Yeah. We didn't actually make it out there. Yeah, I but think I was too freaked out. I think you were a little yeah. not ready for that. Yeah. Um, but but it was a fantastic night and we had an amazing time. And again, this was Were they kind of, doing suspension? They were doing suspension and yeah. they were doing, it was not bondage suspension. No, was, I thought it was piercing suspension. Right, it was yeah. suspension by like piercings. Yeah, and, and that, that was, was a lot. You were just, that was not, I, was, I, I don't I was know squ- I was ready either. I was squicked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, and I think too, because like the only time you made it through childbirth with mm-hmm. no real problems, mm-hmm. I wasn't really afraid that you were going to like lose consciousness, <laughs> but you almost did when I got my nipples pierced the second time. It was really good. We almost lost you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk more about that too. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so uh, then we got uprooted from our home and uh, basically 2008, uh, the economy got tough and we had to move far away from Seattle. Uh, And when we did that, uh, that was a really hard time for me. And I didn't fit there. I didn't want to move. Mm -hmm. I lost um, the first kind of real community I'd ever had. It was not a sex community. It was just a normal community. It was a vanilla community. It was actually a mom community. Um, But I, I lost that community. I lost what I felt like was my home. I didn't want to be where we were. I wasn't allowed to work there. It was in Canada. So uh, we were there and I wasn't able to work because of the way that your green card was structured and things were really bad for me. And uh, the first part of this, it's funny because we got asked if uh, I was collared mm-hmm. on the podcast that we were on today. And I said, yes, I consider myself to be collared, mm-hmm. even though I'm still waiting on daddy to order me my new collar. And, and do you have a 24-7 dynamic? And do you have a 24 Well, and that was a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. It in was. Which we said kind of yes, yes, but not as 24-7 as we'd <laughs> like to be. Which again, we can talk more about that. Yeah. But um, when they asked if I was collared and I said, yes, I feel like I am collared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they asked, was there a collaring ceremony? And the funny answer was no, there was never that moment. Uh, so when we moved to Canada, we were in this condo in the city. And by coincidence, right down at the base of the condo where we stayed, there was this fantastic little leather shop. And I said- And, and they did custom leather like to order right there. Yeah, yeah, just make it right mm-hmm. there, it was fantastic. Uh, although I never got to go in because mm-hmm. we had no babysitter there yeah. and I was too scared to go by myself. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you kept saying, why don't you just go check yeah, it out? And I was friendly. like, mm, no, I'm scared. Yeah. So You don't send a bunny into a leather store by yourself? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I said, I want a collar. I want you to bring me home a collar. I want to play with it. Or I don't even know. Did I ask you for a collar or did I just ask you to get me something? I, have to, I have to believe that, that you provided some direction there. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't know that that's what I would necessarily have come back with. That's funny. So I must have asked for a collar. I mean, there were there was a really cool there like paddles, storefront. There were, you know, dildos, there are all, all sorts Everything. of things. But you came home with a collar. And I it, at first, the collar was really just like any other sex toy. It was just a thing that we thought mm-hmm. to play with. It was like lingerie. Mm-hmm. But I was, again, in very anxious, very rough times. And I found that I liked to sleep in it and started to ask you to put it on me every night. And it just became this thing that was imbued with all of this meaning. And in fact, uh, did we, so it was just just during our reset, just a, cu- a couple of months ago that we actually went through all of our stuff and mm-hmm. found that mm-hmm. very collar, that old yeah. beaten, stretched out, in terrible shape collar. And I think we finally got rid of it, did we, or did we keep it? I think I kept it just for reference. That's right, because you like the ring on it. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so the point is that over the years, that collar became this very important thing. It's like a, a the most worn whoopee you ever saw. <laughs> but the idea of of a collaring ceremony, like we didn't have people even, and we, we could, st- and we still don't really have people. No, not not in person. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so 
so that was kind of how I got collared. And again, mm-hmm. that collar wore out. And the time came when basically Daddy said, "You know, that's not that's not what you I can't I, wear that. You can't wear that. I can't have you wearing that anymore." And we actually did order another really pretty one, mm-hmm. but then it has just recently decided that it is also not the right. It's collar. not quite right. It it takes a lot to be just right. So I am I am currently awaiting a new collar, mm-hmm. but I still consider myself collared. So well, and it. it we kind of use that intentionally or otherwise to get through a lot of that difficult time being out of the country. We did, we did. Well, and and another part of this was that that Daddy had to work very long, very hard hours and come home very tired. And it was so, like an what hour and a half, two hours each way. Mm-hmm. And and I know I say so. I was alone in in a foreign country, mm-hmm. and I know that Canada isn't really a foreign country mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but it was. In the sense that it was more different than I expected. It was more different than than we expected, but also just that I had no one mm-hmm. and no good way to connect with anyone. I was very tethered by very young children at that time. Internet wasn't what it is today. Mm-hmm. And 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 I felt very alone. And you were just not available to me at that mm-hmm. time in the way that I needed you to be. And I can remember just getting worse and worse and worse. And I went through a lot of really bad depressive depressive stuff during that. And I think there's some element of medical stuff in play too. That was also when I was getting very sick with uh, rheumatoid arthritis and it had not been diagnosed yet at that point. So I had all this weird pain and weird injuries and weird stuff uh, and was just feeling really just bad and foggy and tired. Mm -hmm. and, And that all contributed too. But there was a point when we had a conversation and, and I was doing so poorly and I told you that I needed, I, basically I told you that what I wanted was was more like 24-7 mm-hmm. DS. Uh, and and it was like a light bulb. You were like, that's it? That's all you need? That's all you want, okay. That's that's it? And and you, you in the same way, so I saw you tell someone on Twitter maybe yesterday that what, the thing that makes you feel dominant the most is when I bring you my pink bunny Mm -hmm. and when I bring you my pink stuffed bunny then that means that I need to feel safe it means that I don't necessarily have the words it means that I feel anxious I feel bad I need you and and that that is what brings out the daddy in you and it was that same thing in that moment when I said all I need is basically I didn't have the words to tell you I need you to be my daddy but that's what I needed and you it was like a light going off. You were like, that's it? And oh, well, it's right here. It's so easy for me to access in this moment. And you said, and you didn't realize the mark you were leaving on my heart when you said it. You said, this is the way this will be from now on. And you said it in your full daddy voice. You said, from now on, this is this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to be your daddy. And then the next day came and the next day came and the next day came and work and kids Mm -hmm. and stress and you were not able to stay in that dominant state at all and it felt like even more being abandoned to me because it was like you promised and you didn't understand what you were promising and i didn't understand what you were promising this was like such a major thing to promise like now that we know everything we know about the weight of 24 mm-hmm. 7. well and it's it's like surprise anal <laughs> <laughs> like we had no idea where we were going or what we were doing it's true and it was like okay i can do that mm-hmm. but yeah life does grind on and the moment when you answer that especially at that age you're not necessarily thinking about the the gravity and 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 complexity of what that really looks like. 
Well, this really gets us into the energy that it takes to be a daddy because mm-hmm. it's not enough to want to be somebody's daddy. And I think, you know, we've had a little bit of a, a an imbalance between us over the years because for whatever reason, I know that for some people it takes a similar amount of energy to be submissive. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it does not for me. That's just the way you're built. It is just my state. Yeah. It is just a thing that it is always there. I reach for it and it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike for you where you need to have, you need, you know, what I know now is when I need like heavy daddy time, I need to make sure you've had plenty of sleep. Mm-hmm. You've had a little time off work to decompress mm-hmm. and get away from it. You know, I need to give you space in which to like replenish yourself so that you have what I need to be able to give it to me. But that's not how submission works for me. Mm -hmm. Even when I'm at my lowest, and it's been destructive to me at times where I've been sick and damaged and in terrible shape and still making decisions based on submissive things instead of trying to take care of me. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we did some things though. We had a number system where I would email you every day Mm -hmm. and I would email you with a number and, and this was helpful for me because uh, as as a dom, you you there can be some expectation that you just know what the other person is feeling or mm-hmm. you know where they're at. What state they're and, in. And being in this role, while you do have some insight, you're not a mind reader. And it can be really difficult, especially if you're under a lot of stress where you're at. So we, I, I said, I need you to send me a number every single day. Text it. Was it text? Uh, well, I got my first messenger. I got or my something? first BlackBerry. BlackBerry, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a flip phone. Getting dated it, here. You got me a BlackBerry mm-hmm. so that I could. Uh, what was it called? It was In some messenger. BM, or something. I yeah. think. Yeah, BM. <laughs> Which Great. Was really kind of poorly yeah. named. <laughs> Is that why they failed? I don't know. Uh, but but it was send me a number of how you're feeling today between one and ten, and. If it's a 10, then that means that you're on top of the world. And if it's a one, then I mean, it means that I should probably come home right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and by having those data points, then I could really understand trajectory. I could understand your state of being. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what am I going to need to be prepared for when I get home? And I think that there are um, like that that metric system really spoke to to me because mm-hmm. that's how my brain works that's how i think and it it created kind of the shorthand for understanding uh, what i need to do yeah absolutely i think it was really helpful and another thing you would do is we had a swimming pool and you would assign me laps in the pool mm-hmm. where you would tell me that uh, you know, if my number was below a certain number, mm-hmm. then you would send me out and tell me, go do 50 laps mm-hmm. in the pool. And it was it was big numbers, big enough numbers that it wasn't just a quick jump in the pool. And it was really meaningful to me because that time it was, I'm sure it was actually, now that I know that I had a lot of joint problems at mm-hmm. that time that were undiagnosed, it was helping those. But also there was this quiet kind of floaty sensation to that that it it just kind of put all the noise Mm -hmm. somewhere else and it kind of reset it or it it made it quiet for a period of time Mm -hmm. so you could kind of regather and and reset yep another funny story about that time is that i was still trying to figure out when you got so now what i know is that when you get too tired when Mm -hmm. you have spent too much energy in the world then shy of like me telling you this is an emergency, bringing you my pink bunny mm-hmm. and saying, I need you right now. Almost nothing will rouse the, the sort of daddy spirit that I'm looking for. 
And uh, I, I had an era where I tried a lot of different things. And one of the things I tried was I wanted to, I wanted to brat. I wanted you to spank me and you wouldn't mm-hmm. do it. And uh, there was a, this shirt that you had not, you wouldn't let me throw it away when we moved because you didn't like it. You never wore it. And that's why I was like, you should just let me throw this away. And you're like, look, it's <laughs> a perfectly good shirt. This is the denim shirt? This is the denim shirt. Okay. You had never worn it, would never wear it, didn't let me throw it away. I didn't particularly feel upset about that. But I was such a miser that I'm like, no, it's perfectly good. And if I need a shirt. You're like, I might need that in the apocalypse. That's right. <laughs> Here we are 20 years later. <laughs> I, I guess it'd be 10 years later. So... I took it and I wrote all over it with markers <laughs> and I wrote I, terrible I things wrote terrible things on it with markers like look at this shirt I'm I'm a dumb shirt only <laughs> I don't I don't remember what I, I, I thought there was like I'm a bit shirt or oh, something maybe it was it like was. it was it was really bratty I, was, I, I had already been I had been bratting little and little mm-hmm. and it wasn't you weren't you weren't noticing so I had to do something big so I, I wrote. So this all is over like the, the worm in the letter for in, in, in secretary. secretary. Yeah. So I wrote all over the shirt, and then the other thing was that uh, forever, one of your you have two two bathroom things, and one bathroom thing is the way that the towels must be folded in the mm-hmm. bathroom, and the other one is the toothpaste does not get on the bathroom counter. Now yeah. that one, now that we have teenagers, has kind of been burned out of you. But when it was just me and you in the bathroom, a little tiny bit of toothpaste on the counter would like. Drive me crazy. Drive you nuts. Yeah, why would you leave that there? So I learned those Are things. Are you an animal? <laughs> and again, I learned those things as a submissive without realizing it, that you, you fold the towels the way daddy says to fold the towels, and you do not let toothpaste get anywhere it doesn't belong. And so- I feel like that's easy. It is easy. It's never been a problem. But along with writing on the shirt with the marker, I also took the toothpaste and put an <laughs> entire line of toothpaste all the way down the counter. And then I just left it all like that. And I just left it in the bedroom like that. And I waited for you to come home. And I didn't even come into the bedroom. I just waited for you to find it. And you found it. And what I wanted was for you to see it and go, oh, I know what she's, you know, now if you found that, Mm -hmm. you'd be like, okay, come on, let's, (laughs) here we go. I'm tired, but let's do this, right? But that was not the way that you reacted to that. You just had no idea what to, you, you were like, what am I supposed to do with See, this? If I had gone on a trip through Bradding Marsh, <laughs> then I then I would understand uh, what to do and what it is that I'm looking at here. You're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like embarrassed and I'm shy and I can't really say any of it out loud. And I'm like, I don't know. I thought maybe you'd spank me. And you said, how am I supposed to be mad? This is just funny. <laughs> And it's funny because that should be a funny moment. That should be, but like that was a really heartbreaking moment for me (laughs) because it was like, I almost felt like, it just felt like there was nothing I could do to connect with you in that way that I was looking for. I was, you know, now I I kind of talk about you like you're, uh, you have multiple personality disorder, right? Where I'm like, ah, daddy's not here today, Mm -hmm. right? But that feeling then, it was like, he wasn't there. He was not in the building and I couldn't find him. I didn't have a pink bunny to get Mm -hmm. out, you know? So it's funny that that was like this really funny, weird moment, but like it was also really heartbreaking. Mm So then in this time period, we also, as we're kind of exploring DS and and BDSM, uh, then we also built out a dungeon. We had an extra room, it was a utility room, and uh, it had no purpose for for our house. And we set up a round bed. We bought a round, it was advertised on Craigslist as an Austin Powers round bed. It's shagadelic. Uh, we, We 
set it up and kitted it out. We put special lights in it. We had incense and shelves and, and hung up all of our whips and toys. and Soundproofing. Mm-hmm. And then we set up a whole system with uh, little little sensors on the kids' bedroom doors yeah. and uh, a monitor, like a baby monitor, so we could hear the hallway, not mm-hmm. in their rooms, and then the sensors on the doors that would beep in the dungeon mm-hmm. if either one of them opened the door. Yeah. Uh, because they were young enough that we didn't want them to, so this was in the far basement and it was locked. There's, you could what, not hear. two stories away. We could turn music all the way up mm-hmm. and you could not hear anything that was happening in there, which was good. However, if they opened the door and came down looking for us. And they couldn't find us anywhere, mm-hmm. they would be scared and yeah. they would be upset. And who knows if something was wrong because they were at that troublesome age where sometimes something was wrong. Yeah. So so we had, we had that dungeon, uh, and that's actually where we told the story of I had asked for to play with yellow, mm-hmm. which again, this was an era in my life when I was very... Of the, the red, green, yellow variety. Yes, yes. and uh, I was really pushing a lot of those boundaries. Uh, the pain, the endorphins of it were, were something, and I think I was learning to live with chronic pain, mm-hmm. and it's weird that playing with pain is a response to chronic pain, but it very much is. Yeah. Um, and... And so that's where that all happened. Uh, but that dungeon was just kind of rough. There was not really ever enough room mm-hmm. in there to do. Like, you couldn't really do anything with like a flogger because you couldn't really get a full arm. Yeah. <laughs> it was really more like a big closet than yeah. a small room. It was. And it was like bed size. It, it was literally like the circle bed. And like there were like inches between the bed and yeah. the walls on like three sides. And then enough room for a small bookshelf on the fourth side. Right. Uh, we tried really hard to make it nice in there, but it was always very cold, which mm-hmm. could be a thing. <laughs> could be a thing. Wasn't. And then <laughs> somehow uh, mice started getting in there and like dying on the bed. <laughs> and after the second or third time that I found like a dead mouse on the bed, this isn't working. I was like, this is just not a thing. Yeah. It can be a thing. We're gonna have before. to hang this up for another day. So we still have not yet recreated our dungeon but i guarantee that it will not be like that if we ever get another (laughs) chance to have a dungeon so that was a little bit about our exploration and kind of our our beginnings to bdsm Mm -hmm. and i think as i was building this list i'm kind of going through our timeline our Mm -hmm. chronology and i think after that you get to the point where we came back to seattle and when we came back to seattle it was really a new phase in our bdsm in that that was when we started to venture out Mm -hmm. into the community and Mm -hmm. started going to events and started meeting people and that was a whole like because everything up until this point was alone it was all in a vacuum i mean we went to the swinger party that was leather night but other than that everything was in a vacuum Mm -hmm. it was just me and you by our little lonesomes Uh, whereas i think the next phase that's kind of its own whole episode of Mm -hmm what those adventures look like and what we learned from from starting to exist and again we never really have yet found our community that was where we really felt like we fit and really loved it Mm -hmm. so i think that uh that next episode we should do an adventure yeah what do you think one of the adventures like on the map Mm -hmm. and actually in housekeeping about the the site and king quest uh, we now have our first wave of members, and we have uh, some members that are really engaged. And so many great members so far. Holy cow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're just now looking at this uh, the site for the first time since we started recording. Someone earned first time squirting three what? seconds ago. What? <laughs> what? 
That's so cool. And so, and, and that, that I suppose requires a little quick discussion too, <laughs> is that as we, as, <laughs> wow, <laughs> as we see the first members starting to come into the site and starting to engage and interact and talk with us, it is amazing how excited we are about seeing people actually start interacting with the quests and and sharing their experiences and providing feedback yeah. we have we have our first recommended city that we're going to be adding yeah we're adding one on a, on a one of our users recommendations remembers recommendations uh, and it's really funny because daddy uh, was looking at at some of the achievements being unlocked and he was like oh look at it. isn't that so cute <laughs> so and so just unlock this achievement and he said it's funny because i feel very paternal mm-hmm. about the members as opposed to being like ooh that's sexy right. why don't you show us more of that like yeah. no no it's like oh good job you did you did it, it. <laughs> So this has been a lot of fun, and uh, it's really exciting to see the site start to come to life. Although I still have, I don't know, 20-some cities left to finish writing, and Daddy's really cracking the whip lately now that we actually have members on the site. So hard. Get that done. Yeah, well, and they're they're excited. They're ready for it. I'm really excited to get it done. And tonight we are podcasting instead of writing cities. So Are we? Are we writing? There's still plenty too? of time. Well, I don't know. If if I need to go home at like nine in the evening and write <laughs> cities, then I need you to commit to like feed me. I usually do that. I'm kind of digging this whole rhythm we're getting into, where like I write sexy stories and you feed me dinner. That's that's how that's working that's lately. Working out pretty good for yeah. me. <laughs> so did we do it? I think so. <laughs> so like, subscribe, tell your friends. Um, Anything you can do right now, if you're listening to this, to help us get the word out. Uh, we really feel excited and, and good about what we've built and, and are building and really want to get it out into the world and, and see if we can get people to be aware of it and check it out. You, you do get gems for referring other members. It's true, but you also get gems just for joining and just for posting. You get yeah. gems for like pretty much everything you do on this site. Some gem whores going on. It's true. Yeah. Oh, I, you could see where, like, if you get more than a certain number of gems, then you could, like, unlock the gem whore title. That would be fun. <laughs> we will see you on the next level. See you on the next level. So we're recording in a different place, right? <laughs> you don't want to... Sure. Making a mess. Daddy. And the nice part is that this is barely sticky. I know. Pineapple soda. All I'm saying is... What, you don't want to record about our accidental anal on Um, our business podcast? Is that? Oh, yeah. You don't want that in there? Not so much. Not so much that. You want that to stick around in the outtakes? Nah. (laughs) Nah. I don't know. You've been getting like pretty... uh, Feisty. Pretty feisty lately. Yeah, I think like COVID is part of the feistiness. Not, Not the band. I've been waiting for you to wipe that coffee stain off your desk for like a week now. Okay, disgusting. It's pretty gross. Okay, you ready? Yes, we're ready. Turn and burn. That's okay. what I. That's what I always say. That's a good thing to say. You know, I just, just go dump more in there. Like, just do it again. <laughs>